Welcome fellow entrepreneurs to the Entrepreneur Adventure Podcast, where we talk about Amazon Wholesale and how you can use it to build an e-commerce empire, a side hustle, or anything in between. And now, your host, Todd Welch. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hope everybody out there is doing well, everybody's safe, and we're going through some crazy times right now, but e-commerce is booming, so I hope your business is doing well. I hope your family is doing well. Everybody's safe. But today we're going to do something a little bit different. This is actually a public coaching call that I did with Brian. He purchased a coaching call from me and he was gracious enough to allow me to put it up for all of you out there to learn from it as well. So Brian, I really appreciate you allowing me to do that and throwing it up there and allowing other people to learn from the questions that you had for myself. So this is gonna be episode 26 of the Entrepreneur Adventure Podcast. So if you wanna get the show notes or the transcript for this episode, make sure to head on over to entrepreneuradventure.com forward slash 26, as well as any of the links or anything else that we talk about in this episode, you can get those over there. And of course, always make sure you subscribe by podcast. And if you're on YouTube watching this, hit that like and subscribe button as well. Now the quality, the audio quality of this is not quite up to par of what my normal episodes are. I filmed this in my warehouse and I did not have my setup there yet with my nice mic or anything. So I apologize if the audio quality is not up to par and the video is a little bit shaky, but it's fantastic information. I think you'll really get a lot of value out of this, so stay tuned. So with that, let's go ahead and dive into this episode with Brian. So Brian, just going over your, your email here, it says that you're selling on Amazon. You've been selling for one to two years. You wanna go over the basics and get some clarification on how to handle calls if, when, I'm assuming brands and distributors and stuff do give you a call. What I've been doing is more or less sending out emails in mass, and then you know the next step would be if they don't mark down, if they don't you know respond and keep track of that, okay. and then follow up with a another email via a different way, different email, maybe their portal or a different email on their site. If that doesn't work, then follow up with the call. I know that's like the most important thing, but it it is like it is nerve wracking. Um, for sure. I don't know why, because I don't know these people and I don't care, but still it's kind of like in that thing, like an inherited thing. No, definitely understand that. It's, it's not something that's natural to most people. So um, before we dive into it, where, where are you from? Right now I'm in lockdown in Chicago. In Chicago? Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm city I'm, of Chicago? I'm like 45 minutes outside. Okay. So, yeah, in Aurora, Naperville area. So the suburbs. Yeah. Okay. All right. So close enough that everything is locked down. That's a bummer. So you guys are still locked down pretty heavy right now? Yeah. And even out here in the burps, it's um, mm. everything's locked down. You have to wear masks to go into most stores. Uh, it's like a mandatory thing. Yeah, for sure. Here in Utah. And where are you at? I'm in over in Orem, Utah. So we've been pretty lockdown light here, I suppose. 
Um, didn't really lock anything down. It was more just recommendations and suggestions until April. Strong suggestions. Yeah. Yeah. And then May 1st, they basically ended a lot of the lockdown. So we can go to restaurants now. Um, but they have like every other table or every third table kind of thing and stuff like that. So um, it was mostly not too bad here. Um, the only thing that really got shut down were like restaurants you couldn't go into and then um, like salons and stuff like that they did for the month of April. But yeah, pretty lockdown light here for the most part. Yeah, I was just looking at a map. Like, only like a few states were hit really hard. Like the rest of the states, it's like, yeah, not that bad. Still bad, but yeah, it's yeah. interesting. He's yeah. like, some some people are dealing with it like ten times worse than other people. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, not a good situation. But in my opinion, uh, a great time to be selling on Amazon. So yeah. there is that. Absolutely. Um, so, all right, why don't we go ahead and dive into, uh, what you want to go over and just ask me whatever questions you got. Basically, well, you just, what are, when you're looking, let's say you're not using your VAs or whatever, and you're just starting and you're looking for brands to contact, like what are some of the the prerequisites that you look for, um, when deciding if a brand is a good one to contact? Like I know you mentioned like Amazon not being on it, but is that like, a blanket statement or can they be on maybe some of the products like let's say they have 50 products mm -hmm. and they're on all of them except for maybe two or three but those two or three are they've never really been on those three and they're good sellers I don't know if that's a situation that exists but yeah yeah definitely I sell a lot of products like that where Amazon is on some of their listings but not all of them so uh, we're when you're doing like the reverse sourcing and stuff like that, you're just looking to find some products that Amazon is not on. Um, you know, sometimes you can find some really good products by searching for a brand name and then finding those listings that are like two packs or four packs or maybe a combo of a couple of their products or something like that. that and Amazon's not on those listings. Um, and a lot of times those can be really good products to sell. So yeah, definitely not. Once you're actually looking at a brand, you're just finding whatever products sell well. Same thing with a distributor. When you're looking through their big list, you're probably going to find a lot of products that Amazon's selling a ton of their stuff, but there might be one or two or a handful that they're not selling. And those are the ones that you're really looking for. Okay, cool. I just didn't know if it was kind of like just like a blanket, ah, Amazon's on it, forget it. They're eventually going to find those products, forget it. They might, they yeah, might, okay. but yeah. they might yeah. not. It, it, Amazon's really weird sometimes in that it'll carry like all of a brand's products, but then there'll be like one or two that for some reason they don't carry or they're like out of stock like 90% of the time. I don't know how that happens. They're, I guess they're just dealing with millions of products. So they just fall through the cracks, maybe, kind of thing. But yeah, you find that quite a bit. And then I'm guessing probably sometimes these distributors don't always have their all their products up too. So maybe mm -hmm. if you're reaching out for those one or two products, maybe they have more. 
that they haven't listed or haven't got to or just have overlooked or you know that's kind of a whole nother game helping brands bring new products to amazon uh, it's a lot more work but if if it's a brand that is selling really well then there's definitely an opportunity if they have other like similar products that aren't on amazon you could try throwing them up and see if they get any traction just off of the brand name if people are searching for the brand uh, they might find those products and maybe get selling i've done a little bit of that before a lot of times that's with like an exclusive agreement or something like that so that i have a little bit more of a guarantee but yeah that's definitely something you can do my, my next question is can we look at an example of a good listing versus a bad listing you know like what what might uh it's like when you get the buy box, does all the info on the page, does that change for each person who holds the buy box or is it the same listing information for that? Like, does that make sense? Like, uh, what do you mean by information? Like the title and the bullets? Yeah, like stuff? if you want to put in like your own description, like your own bullet points, your own photos or whatever, mm -hmm. um, does that pop up when you are the buy box owner or no um amazon will like collect all the stuff together and put in the information from whoever it thinks has the most authority so if the brand is registered then it's only going to show up whatever the brand puts if it's not registered then it's going to be you know whoever has the most authority can make some changes potentially um but there's also times a lot of times where you have to have amazon support make any changes and then you're gonna have to show them proof like a picture of the product with the upc and the information that you want to change the manufacturer's website and stuff like that yeah i know that's a super new question but all the sales that i've done are have been used products up until this point like okay. uh, media books uh and dvd and cd so that's been really good but I, you know, that's all I've dealt with. So I, um, right. I send it in, didn't know about that, but I wanted to ask. So that's good to know. So yeah. then no, that's so a good place to get started doing the, doing retail arbitrage kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm just getting, yeah. That's so I have, I have like whatever, it's not an eBay business anymore. It's across many platforms now, but I okay. like a cool. 2000, 2000 item store. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it. I've built that up to a point where it's now 90% automated. I have VAs taking care of pretty much everything. Yep. I only work on it like 10 hours a week. But now I've gotten to that point, that's why I'm now focusing on something else, this. But um, okay. Nice. So then piggybacking on that question, when you're talking to suppliers and you're telling them what you can do for them, and one of those things is optimizing a listing, yep. how much can you even really do then? Or like, Quite a bit. Um, if you're dealing with the brand direct, then what a lot of times I try to do is uh, get them to register their brand if they have it trademarked, and then um, they will share access to their Amazon account so I can go in there and make changes. Um, if that's not the case and we don't have like an exclusive agreement or something, then I will just work with Amazon support and make the changes. So I'll make the changes on my back end. If they don't take, then I 
open a case with Amazon support to get them to try to make the changes. Okay. Uh, yeah. In those cases though, if you're not with an exclusive agreement, then you're really just trying to optimize the listing to get more sales. And if it works, awesome. If not, well, you're, you're selling the product anyways because it's getting some sales and it was worthwhile to begin with. Uh, so if you're really diving into it and you're getting an exclusive agreement, then you're going to be working more closely with the brand. Hopefully you can get them registered and stuff like that. Yeah. Next question. What, what software are you currently using for analyzing lists? Analyzing lists. So I've been going back and forth between analyzer tools and tactical arbitrage. I like the interface of analyzer tools better than tactical arbitrage, but I really like that tactical arbitrage will show like a 90 day section of the keeper graph right in the results. So that way I can more quickly just like scroll through. And if I see orange that Amazon's on the listing, then I can just, you know, keep scrolling down until I find ones that they're not and then dig a little bit deeper. So I've been using tactical arbitrage a little bit more because of that recently. Yeah, that's a super nice tool. Yeah. Um, just to have that keep a graph right there for you. Like, yeah, and Analyzer Tools has that as well. But in the desktop version, you got to hover over the rank for it to pop up. And then in the web version, you have to click on it and go to another page to see the keep a graph. So just having it all right there is really nice. Yeah. So like, uh, I know in one of your videos, you mentioned that you come across, you know, after a while, you end up coming across more products than you have capital to buy. Um, or maybe, I don't know if that's your case now, but I imagine that's the case for a lot of people. Yep. Uh, what do, I'm sure you don't just throw away those products to forget about them or lose them. So like, what do you do with those products? Like, like that, do you try to set up connections with other wholesalers that you can then be a middleman or do you just keep them on the back burner when you do have money or mostly just the back burner um i might order like a small test order just to make that account active you know with the brand or with the distributor so you don't just disappear um but yeah then you just kind of hold it and you got to buy whatever gives you the best return so until you have the money to buy deeper, then it just kind of sits there. Maybe throw in a small order every once in a while just to, you know, so they know that you're still alive and still going. But yeah, yeah, unfortunately, that's the, the case that you only have so much money to deal with. So there's going to be products that you can't purchase all the time. I guess I was just thinking this is like way above my league right now. I was just like thinking thoughts and ideas. What happens if you had kind of like a group of other wholesalers that did have a lot of cash, maybe not as many products to spend? What if you hooked up those two people? You know, the, the products that you can't products that you can't sell, and people who do need a product that don't have the money, and maybe you could take a, a middle piece in there. Yeah, yeah, 100%. There's people out there who do that, sell, you know, lists and brands and stuff like that. I've thought about it because it'd be, you know, it'd be an easy way to make some extra money. But um, for me, I kind of decided that it was a little bit short-sighted because my goal was to have enough money to just buy everything. And it's hard enough to find really good products to just kind of, sell those for a flat fee and then not 
have access to it anymore or just have more competition. So I decided not to do that. You definitely could. I mean, there's people out there that do that for sure. There's lots of people that that's just, that's their business, right? They're basically finding products that people could sell and then selling those lists. So uh, you can definitely do that. I decided not to. Um, I figured, you know, figure out a way to get the money if they're good enough to sell. Like two of the big things that when you're like telling them things of why you should be able to, to, to buy their products or why they should sell you their products. Like what are the big things? Like so you're telling them that I can optimize the listing if you need, I can run map, you know, protection or whatever. I can teach you how to file violations and this and that. Um, do you, what are some other skills that you might need to know? Like running, like, do you need to know how to run ad campaigns? Um, like, is that something you should know how to do? Um, yeah, it's definitely a skill. I mean, they're all good skills to know. Um, you know, and, and right up front, when you're first trying to buy from a brand, you're not going to want to necessarily be like, yeah, I'll do your ads and I'll optimize your listing and all this other stuff. Because just think of a, if a stranger called you up and asked if they could do all this stuff for your business, you'd be like, who the heck are you? You know, why, why would I trust you to do anything with my yeah. business? So in the beginning, it's just all about building their relationship, getting to know them, um, asking questions about their business. And of course, when the, the dreaded thing comes up, when they ask you if you sell on Amazon, you know, you're kind of like, well, yeah, of course, we're an e-commerce com company. Amazon's our biggest channel. Um, so we sell a lot of product down there kind of thing. And then if they don't want any more Amazon sellers, which is a lot of times, well, we don't want any more Amazon sellers, then um, probably the first thing that I ask them is just, do you mind if I ask you why you don't want any more Amazon sellers? And that's when you can just be quiet and listen to what they say, because then 95% of the time, they're gonna tell you exactly why they hate Amazon sellers. And so then that's your opportunity to try to work around that and get into being able to sell their products even at all, right? We're not trying to get an exclusive agreement or anything. The first time we talk to them, it's basically just all about trying to sell their products. So if they say something like, well, we've got too many of them, I don't even know where any of them are getting their products and stuff like that, um, then you can start talking about, you know, how are you, how do you handle your supply chain and um, have you start asked people for like their Amazon seller ID number, which is the number that is locked down to every list, every seller, even though they can change their name, they can't change that. And a lot of times they don't know that kind of stuff. And you're basically just going to give them free information, yeah. whether you get to sell their product or not you're just going to try to help them out of the you know, goodness of your heart with the hope that maybe you can sell their product someday. Um, and then what I'll do if, if they still don't want me to sell their product, that's completely fine. But what I would do then is just start like following up with them every month 
and just send them emails like, hey, I took a look at your listing and you know, if you changed your title to this, it would really help in your search results. So just like, just give them value. And um, yeah, it's always, that's kind of just like a golden rule. Kind of yeah, thing. just give them little snippets of value and don't things that help. Yeah, like hope for something back. Don't expect yeah. I don't even ask for anything. You know, I'm just throwing information out there and maybe, maybe in a year, maybe in six months, maybe in five years, they'll be like, hey, I remember we're, we're trying to make a change on Amazon and there's this guy who's always been emailing me. Let's get a hold of him. Maybe he wants to help us out. So, and I've had that happen. You know, it doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes they just ignore you. I use HubSpot uh, for my CRM. So all my emails are tagged for that. So I can see when people open my emails and how many times they open it. And when you send suggestions like that, you'll see that they open it like three, four, five, ten times. They're probably coming back in to, to read you know, what you said and maybe do it or something like that. So um, not always, but it's always interesting to see how many people times they open your email. So and maybe it'll turn into something. Maybe it won't. It, right. You never know. But you just yeah. keep throwing out value and eventually um, it'll come back around to you. Cool. And then, the, yeah, you were just touching on this. Um, the videos that I've watched about wholesale, everyone always talks about building relationships and, uh, you know, how it could take days, weeks, years. Um, I guess as somebody who hasn't done a ton of phone calls and knows exactly how those conversations go, to me, it's like, how does it go any farther than, hey, can I sell your product? No. Okay. You know, like then how do you, how do you continue? Like, what do you, what do you just, you just talk about? You just shoot the shit or shoot the, sorry, just shoot, you know, just talk and get to know each other. Like they're willing to do that or they want to do that or what, what, what is it mean to build a relationship with the supplier? Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes they're willing to talk. Sometimes they'll just be cold. You never know. Um, but you just kind of got to think about it. Uh, people like to talk about themselves. So if you can get them talking about themselves and asking questions, then a lot of times people like to talk about it. Like if you're dealing with a brand, especially a small brand, you can be like, you know, how'd you come up with the idea for making this product? And just let them start talking about it. And that's, that's where I talk about too, about starting in an area that you're familiar with. Maybe you're, you, it's a hobby that you like or something like that because then you can talk about that hobby more uh, and just continue asking questions and drill deeper and things like that to just find out more about them, about their company. Um, you know, a lot of people are proud of the products that they made, so they'd be more than happy to tell you about how they came up with the idea and how business is going and things like that. And so then you'll just like, so it's, you, you haven't gotten the yes yet, but maybe you haven't gotten a no either. It's kind of like a whatever. So will you keep reaching out or like every, every now and then? Yeah. Yeah. It, depending on how that first conversation went, you know, if it went really well, 
and you kind of developed a connection with the person, like you guys got along on the phone, then yeah, you can follow back up in a month or two and just check in, see how things are going. How's Amazon treating you? Is there anything I can help you with? Um, other things that you can do to make it a little bit smoother, and I'm still no professional at this, just learning along the way, um, trying to figure out you know, what works and what doesn't work. But for example, in the past, I've looked someone up on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and found out, you know, where they're from, what kind of, uh, if they like sports, maybe they like a football team or a baseball team or something like that. And then you have something else to talk about. Right now, it's really easy because if you can find out where they're at, then you can ask, you know, how are things going in, in Florida right now with the lockdown and stuff? And you have like an immediate connection with everybody right now because everybody's going through the same thing. Yeah. That's, um, so right now I found it's even easier than normal because we, we all have something in common in the entire country right now. So, so you're kind of just like feeling out, playing it by ear, whether you're going to reach back out or, yeah. you know, that's even worth it or not. It's kind of like a, just get case by case basis. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times I'll ask that right up front. Like, hey, how's everything going with this crazy world that we live in right now? I hope your family's safe and business is doing good. And then just listen to them and I'll try to judge, you know, where they're coming from politically and emotionally and everything. And then just kind of go down that path. Like I've had people say to me, yeah, I've had the police come and they made me go home and it's just crazy what the governors are doing. It's not acceptable. And so I go down that path and I've had other people tell me that, um, yeah, and it's really good that we're, you know, locking everything down and hopefully we don't open up too fast. And so I go down that path and I can relate to both, right? Because politically I'm very much in the middle. So I agree with both aspects of it and um, I've gone down that and that's worked really well lately because people have pretty strong emotions one way or another. Basically building connections. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Sweet. I did build a, a quick website. Excellent. It's Ecom Intelligence. I just made it like a few days ago. It's uh, yeah, EcomIntelligence.com I think. It was just like a quick, I think I, I watched your video. Grow, protect, optimize, win. Nice. I like the the main page here. Um, can, uh, I'll share my screen so that people who are watching this can see. There we go. Can you see your website? Yep. All right. So, yeah. I love to grow, protect, optimize, win. We're not just another online seller. We're so much more. We actually care and with caring comes quality. Really awesome to have the people here. People like to relate with other people. And so having the smiling people there is really relatable. Um, the colors are nice and they go well together as well. And yep, nice. You followed my video here really nicely. Follow map, building brand, product perfection, A-B testing. Yeah, very nice. I like it a lot. You built this yourself? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a WordPress. You like drag and drop elements, but yeah. 
Very nice. Now I feel like I need to make mine better. <laughs> Yours is even better than my website, I think. Very nice. Good work. Thanks. Yeah, so I just want something to show or whatever, and I have the email address. But um, Very yeah. good. I'm, uh, um, one thing I would probably add on here is an About Us page. Sure. Um, that is nine times out of ten the most clicked on website. A page on a website. Uh, people always click over to the about us. So I definitely add that on here. Cool. Yeah, I'll make note of that. Yeah. Very nice. I like it. Good work. I'm guessing you have you have VAs that are working for you on this right now. But uh, like the one thing just that I learned big time with um, eBay and the, the stuff that I do over there. I'm not, not, it, I basically do new and used um, shoes mostly. Um, New English shoes? Ah, no, no. That's just poor pronunciation on my part. New and used shoes. New and used. Okay. I thought it was some brand name that I hadn't heard Maybe of. Maybe I should get into that English shoes. Oh, that sounds cool. Got yeah. it. Okay. Used and, uh, but yeah, so the one thing I really learned about that was that there's just so many tedious tasks. And uh, after doing thousands upon thousands of individual SKUs myself, I've just gotten to the point where I cannot really stomach doing tasks that I know that I can hire out. Um, and yep. so I've, I've been getting, I've been working on building SOPs for different, uh, different, different things I'm doing. And um, I'm pretty much finished with the one that I'm working on for this. Um, but yeah, so you, you were saying you do have VAs working on it. Um, yep. Or yeah, like just like one VA that does like a source sourcing or something. And yeah, I've got one VA uh, right now who is doing like the sourcing. Uh, he's doing the reverse sourcing and then finding brands, distributors, and emailing brands. He's emailing brands and calling distributors. And then I follow up with phone calls to brands directly. Um, distributors are just so easy most of the time it's just basically hey how do we open up an account to sell with you guys uh, what's your email I'll send you over the paperwork and then that's about it nine times out of ten with distributors brands it's a lot harder so nine times out of ten they're like drilling you about stuff so I try to do all the brand stuff and build that connection and things like that He's getting better. He's from the Philippines and he's got very minimal uh, accent. If you didn't know he was from the Philippines, you yeah, they, they speak great, great English over there. It's amazing. A lot of them, yeah. And so I'm trying, I'm hoping that I can eventually build him up to that. That's kind of the yes, goal. But we'll see. So he is doing sourcing and sales calls. Correct, to distributors. I set him up with Nextiva, a phone. It's just a phone on the computer, so you can call. It has a Utah phone number and everything. And he's calling during USA business time um, and opening those accounts, and he does really good at that. And then he's also shooting off the emails, uh, replying to emails, uh, filling out applications, and things like that. Did you find? Did you have to train him from scratch, or did you uh, did you find him on online jobs? I found him originally on uh, Freya. 
So F-R-E-E-E-Up.com. Um, and that went really well. We worked through there for about an hour and then I hired him directly for an hour for a year. And then I hired him directly after that. But you did well with him for a year? Uh, worked with them for a year through FreeUp, the FreeUp platform. They're like a, a hiring agency. They find yeah. okay. good VAs and stuff like that. Um, I don't use them anymore, but I definitely recommend them to anyone who doesn't have experience hiring because they do a lot of the legwork for you in finding good candidates. But now I'm using onlinejobs.ph. That's um, nice. It's basically just a job board in the Philippines. I post a job there, I interview and then hire. Um, now that I've got you know a lot of experience in hiring and stuff like that. Yeah, I could have benefit benefited from free up probably two or two years ago when I started hiring people for random tasks. Because at first online jobs, it was it was really hard to like figure out how to just like the levels of tasks that I I, I uh, expected for them and what they can do and what can't do and yeah. just like teaching them breaking things down so they can digest it in a way so like it took me a long time but um yeah, yeah. no online jobs ph is uh, a great source it's the only one i, yeah. I, I use or have used but so that's cool sure. on there. and then pretty much trained them from the ground up i guess sounds like yeah yeah what i've found works the best for me is we basically jump on a training call um, using Zoom or Skype, just like we're doing here, and I record it, and I go through the task and show them exactly what I want them to do, and that way they have that video, and then they do it and perfect it, and then I have them write an SOP, so a step-by-step -step procedure so that I can then save the video and that step-by-step -step procedure uh, if we need to expand or maybe they leave and I need to hire someone else, um, and then we have that uh, documentation and training. Yeah, and usually one's not enough. Like you would think sometimes it's enough. It can, it can be confusing, right? So it's like it's good to have the three-step, the, the written, the video, and then jumping on the call and like actually like hands-on practice, like yep. the, the, trife the trifecta. Yep. Absolutely. Did, uh, your guy, did he have sales experience before? Like, who, like what? Uh, no. Um, he had, well, he had worked in a call center. Okay. So he had experience talking on the phone in English to people. Uh, so he had that, but not really sales or anything like that. I pretty much trained him on all of that. And I actually bought Grant Cardone University. Um, Grant Cardone is a sales guy. He has sales training, so I bought that for him, and I had him go through that just to give him some training. That That's like $100 a month. It, it changes depending on where you buy it from, but um, I had him go through that and had him listen to some of my phone calls as we went through and just got him up to speed like that. And then I would have him do the calls, and I would listen in. You know, we'd do like a, a Skype call, and I would listen in to his conversations. So. Did, uh, did the people know you were on the other end or you just kind of like no, no because he was using the the Nextiva phone and then okay. we would have a Skype conversation going as well so I could hear everything that both sides were saying so like when you uh kind of switching topics a little bit but like when you're like analyzing uh, a list um 
what's like the minimum ROI you look for? Is it like 30% or just like keep flat, keep, just be able to keep the cash flow going at least at a. Yeah. Yeah. So in the beginning, I'm going pretty wide right now. Uh, I'm actually going all the way down to 0%. Not that I would buy that product, but in my initial check, I do 0% or higher. Um, and I'm actually focusing now more on reviews. So if the listing has like five reviews or more is what I'm filtering it on, 0% ROI or higher. And because I'm looking for like those deep products that maybe are not selling well right now, but I can make some changes and get them selling more, or maybe they just haven't been sold for a while or people are selling them at really high prices and I can undercut the price and get them selling well. And then I'm going to the brand or the distributor and asking for discounts. So that's why I'm going down to 0% because I don't want to miss any potential because then I can make a list of everything that I think I can buy and send it over to the brand and be like, this is what I think I can sell per month if the price is right. Um, You might even want to put like a price, a target price. Like if you can get to this price, I think I can sell 50 a month or 100 a month, 20 a month, whatever you estimate from Jungle Scout or Tactical Arbitrage or whatever you're using. I use a combination of uh, Jungle Scout, Tactical Arbitrage, and the Keepa statistics Mm -hmm. to kind of get a guesstimate. Um, And then send that over to them and see what kind of discounting they can give you. Right, because most um, most, um, lists on on the the surface are not going to be profitable. No. uh, Ninety-five percent of them are not. There's there's maybe five percent of distributors and brands out there that will not discount their price at all, and they'll tell you that. Um, but most of them will discount uh, something, whether it's a couple percent, five percent, ten percent, twenty percent, you know, whatever the case may be. I've had some discount up to like thirty, forty, fifty percent. Um, it's not common, but it does happen sometimes. Uh, so if you don't ask, then you don't know. Yeah. I'd say like the MLQ is uh, like a thousand bucks, let's say. Um, you don't have to order a thousand dollars worth each SKU, do you? Like, could you buy like even maybe just five of one SKU and maybe a couple hundred of the next SKU as long as it adds up to a thousand? Or is there like usually like, you have to do whatever, 100 in this product, add up to 1,000. It all depends on the brand and distributor. They're all a little bit different. Typically, what I see is that they'll have like a minimum order quantity that they want you to get. Maybe it's 100, maybe it's 500 or 1,000, or other times what they'll do is they'll do like free shipping over $1,000 or something like that. And then they'll want you to buy in case pack quantities, possibly. So maybe it's four, 10, 12, 24, 50, 100, depending on their case pack. Um, it's not all, always the case. Some distributors will let you order whatever, as long as you meet like $100 or $500 orders or something. It, it varies all over the place from distributor to distributor. Usually there's some kind of minimum. Um, but even if there's a minimum, you can say, you know, this is what I think I can sell. 
but we want to get our own numbers. Is it okay if I buy just 20 of these up front and then make bigger orders in the future? Even if you have to charge me a little bit more or charge me for shipping or whatever, maybe I'll just break even on the first order, but I can get real world numbers and see what the sales are going to be. In general, do most suppliers offer shipments to Amazon or do you typically have most of your items? Again, I know most is going to vary supplier to supplier, but uh, it's, most it's like, you and then you send it in or do most of them send it straight in? Yeah, it's like 50-50. Um, about half of them probably send them straight in for me, half don't. Um, that's why I got the warehouse that I'm in today because then there, there's just more opportunity to bring in products. And just yesterday, I received a shipment from one of my distributors and they sent me the incorrect products, right? Which sucks. But as I dug into it deeper, I didn't even know they had those products. I looked at them on Amazon. I'm like, oh, those actually might sell really good. Uh, so I might start carrying them. And so that's one benefit of having the warehouse now. If I had those go to a prep center, they would have just told me that, oh, they're the wrong product, and I probably would have sent them back, and I wouldn't have been able to inspect quite as much as I did. So sometimes there's some benefit to having it send it to you. Um, like now, there's some products that I'm not going to have them direct ship anymore for me if they offer free shipping. Because if I can get it to my warehouse and have it in my hand, you never know what you might discover along the way. And I'm not paying for that shipping leg anyways. So I might as well get it here, make sure everything's perfect. And then I can send it into Amazon myself. Just a couple more security checks there. If it comes to you, it can really. Yep, exactly. You, you, you're going to be able to pick up on a lot more than just some prep center employee who is just going through the motions. You know, if something's not right or, you know, normally there's a security tag on this or something to keep it shut and this one's missing it or it's broken or something. And, you know, the prep center is not necessarily going to care about that. So when you're packaging these things, is there anything that you, like, again, my experience with Amazon shipping, you know, DVDs, books, stuff that you can just throw in the box and it doesn't really matter. When you're packaging these things to keep them from being destroyed, is there anything that you do different? Like, do you line the box with bubble wrap or do you do anything or you just kind of throw it in there and hope for the best? It depends on the product. You know, if, the, if it's like a glass product or fragile, then I'll be more cautious with it. Let's say there's like new boxes or something. If, if it did get banged around, they could, you know, the boxes would get a little bit damaged. They wouldn't be new anymore. Like, what, what kind of, what would you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, then I would, yeah, just put a little bit more bubble wrap in the box, maybe put them in a smaller box instead of, you know, Amazon's limit is 24 inches, 50 pounds, you know, use a little smaller box and not pack other things in there, perhaps. Um, that, that kind of stuff really helps to order case packs so that they're going to come in a box, you know, that they got shipped to the distributor or the brand from the manufacturer. And they made that journey just fine. So they'll probably make the journey to Amazon just fine if you just keep it in that case pack. Um, so if, if it's something I really worry about, then I just make sure I'm ordering in that case pack so that it's just coming in that original box that they uh, 
uh, ship it from the manufacturer in. So then if, it, uh, if you're getting five case back, um, do you have to break it down? But, uh, no, because if you select the case back option when you're sending it into Amazon, Amazon won't break it down smaller than the case pack. So if the case pack is 24 and you say the case pack is 24 in Amazon and you've got 48 of them, they might send 24 here, 24 there, but they're not going to split up the 24. Okay, cool. Are you still doing your mentorship group program? I know I heard something about that in uh, a video a few months ago. The vendor, what did you say, vendorship? It was uh, your mentorship group program. Oh, mentorship. Like um, I haven't done it yet. Okay. So there's a little bit of a delay because I decided to open this warehouse. So that's taking all of my time right now. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> so I don't want to do that and not be able to dedicate enough time to it. And, you know, last thing I want to do is people feel like they didn't get what they paid for. So I still want to do it. I'm hoping to do it here in the next two to three months where we're basically going to have a group of eight to 10 people. And I want to have people kind of like yourself who are familiar with e-commerce a little bit, maybe have sent some stuff into Amazon um, because I, I don't want it to be like, okay, this is how you print out a label and you put it over the barcode. I want yeah. to be like, this is how we're finding more distributors. No, no. This is how we can talk to them on the phone. Let's jump on some phone calls and basically more like a higher level university class right so um it's going to be kind of like the path to six figures where we're we're all working together to get on the path to six figures in sales on amazon yeah that's really cool because support is almost paramount like i'm always so jealous when i see videos of like uh e-commerce couples i just think man if i had if i had a second person that was just always running with me and agreeing with me and doing stuff with me like I'd be doing twice what I'm doing right now, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, just good. it's also good to have a support group. Yeah. So oh, yeah, big time. It's, I've got some that I, you know, different sellers that I meet with. I'm in a mastermind and things like that, and it helps a lot. So yeah. it it's, can't be underestimated. Most definitely. When you're looking at a product to decipher whether you think it, is a good one to order. Um, what, what is considered en like enough sales? Um, I know that depends on like a couple yeah. of things. Everybody's different. Everybody's different. Uh, if you're just starting out, then you can probably go a lot lower. And I still go a lot lower. You know, I usually say out there like 20, 30, 40 sales a month for you. But some of the products that I'm starting to sell, I got a bunch over here that I'm going to be entering in when we're done with the call here. I don't know how many they're going to get. They might only get five or six up front, but I see an opportunity in either optimizing the listing uh, or maybe running some ads or decreasing the price and just looking at the history from Keepa. Like a lot of them, they've never been sold FBA before. They've only been sold FBM. So just by doing being the first FBA seller, it's going to boost sales. Um, some of them might work. Some of them won't. So you kind of got to decide how you want to play. Some people are just looking for ones that are getting them like 
100 or 500 sales a month and they're going big and they only have a, maybe a few products where I'm going a little bit deeper and wider, uh, I think there's a little bit less risk there. It's a more to manage, but if one product doesn't work out, then I'm fine. Or if a brand says, oh, you can't sell my products anymore, then that's okay. But I've also heard of people where like one brand is 60% of their sales and that brand's like, oh, we're not going to sell Amazon sellers anymore. And now you're just out, right? So you kind of have to decide how you want to go. So I just, last question before I let you go. Um, on top of that, just like, I know this is part of what is interesting me about that. Actually, what got me into this was um, I've been doing uh, eBay to Amazon flips, like marketplace to marketplace flips. Sure. Which very profitable, but it's kind of scary. Um because obviously we don't have the invoices. It's kind of a gray area sort of thing. Yeah. And, you know, I I want to have a more stable long-term business. So that's why I'm looking at wholesale and I like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so my question is, how stable is it actually? Like, can you still – Is are there scenarios where you can still get suspended? And I know there are. Um, yeah, my- Amazon is always going to have its risks. Any eBay is going to have its risks. Anytime you're playing in someone else's playground or someone else's world, Walmart, you don't control the rules. So they can change the rules at any time. And they have, you know, retail arbitrage used to be a lot safer than what it is now. And Amazon doesn't like it. So they're trying to shut that kind of stuff down. Um, And yeah, you can get suspended. You know, I got suspended for one night because I started selling an energy drink that had a an ingredient that apparently wasn't approved by the FDA, and but it had been selling on Amazon for like two years, three years, no problem. I decided to create a variation listing, and they're like, "Oh, they shut me down." And the the parent of that variation is still selling. So really? I don't know what Amazon thinks sometimes, but yeah, it's always a risk, and I'm definitely gonna try to diversify more at some point but right now you know amazon's got all the sales i sell you know a few thousand on ebay a few thousand on a woocommerce store and i'm looking at getting into walmart but walmart yeah i know it's more more platforms you add the more complex it gets as well so you got to make sure it's worth your time so yeah it's definitely a line that you walk but everything's got risk there's not really any way you're going to eliminate it completely yeah as far as models go wholesale seems like one of the safer ones yeah i as long as you're doing it legit and you're not like using ungating services or selling knockoff goods or buying from wholesalers that don't have a direct relationship with the brands then you have everything you need to break through any objection that Amazon has. It might take a little while, so you might be shut down for a night or a week or a month, but you should be able to get back and going as long as you're running a legit business. Um, A lot of times I think there's more behind the story to people who get shut down than what they're saying. I would say almost always there's yeah. I must say that dumb thing that they did. You know? Yeah, it, it might be something like myself, like naivety. You know, I didn't know that that product was in there. I didn't do it on purpose, but Amazon was within their rights to shut it down. Um, 
Same thing for like uh, uh, buy boxer, right? Scott Needham that I had on the show. They've gotten shut down before. Hopped on. Very interesting. Yeah, they've gotten shut down because brands didn't like them selling their products, even though they were buying from a legit distributor. So it took them maybe a few days or a week to get back going, but they had the paperwork to show that what they were doing was legit. They weren't selling illegal goods or anything like that. So you just have to, you have to do everything right. You know, try to stay away from the, the line as far as possible. Yep, definitely. And that's part of why, you know, it's good to like talk to people like you who've actually already done and stepped on some of those landmines or. Yeah. Yeah. It's not fun when you're going through it. That's for sure. But you definitely learn. Definitely. Well, um, that, that's probably pretty much what I have for questions. Um, it's been about an hour, but um, All right. what would be the best way to schedule the next hour? Yeah. So when we're done here, I will email you the reschedule link for your second hour that you purchased. And whenever you're ready, if it's in a week, a month, three months, whatever, just schedule on that link and we'll be, we can do the next one. Sweet. Sounds good. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it sounds like you have all the knowledge that you need to do it, especially doing eBay and stuff like that. So you just gotta, are you selling anything currently? Yeah, I probably should have asked that at the beginning, but. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, some of the stuff has been shut down, but yeah, no, sales are kicking butt right now. Good, good. On eBay or Amazon? Everything. Good, good. Yeah, yeah, just keep moving forward. I think you'll you'll do just fine. You seem to know what you're talking about, so. I like to pretend like I do it. <laughs> Me too. We're all we're all pretending, right? There's the ex an expert is just someone who's a little bit further ahead than you. So. All right. Well, I appreciate it, man. And I will schedule that call in a week or two. Yeah. Thanks. Right. Sounds good, Brian. Good talking to you. All right. See you. Talk to you later. This has been another episode of the Entrepreneur Adventure Podcast. Thanks for listening, fellow entrepreneur. And always remember, success is yours if you take it.